it been since you had yourself a big hot screaming ear full of forgotten horrors <laughs> well that's too long pull in close now for a crepuscular half hour or so of the forgotten horrors podcast with your hosts john woolley michael h price and my own self wolf brand jack <laughs> And thank you very much, Wolf Brand Jack and Michael H. Price. I'm John Woolley, and uh, welcome once again to the Forgotten Horrors podcast. I'm very glad to have you aboard for a movie this time around that um, seems to grow in stature as it goes along. Michael, would you say that? That picture's been gathering momentum ever since its restoration from master footage in the 1990s. Right. A period during which the, the director, Jack Hill, came in for some overdue recognition. Uh, there was also, around this same period of time in the 90s, a uh, lovely remastered version of Jack Hill's picture, Switchblade Sisters. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Kind of a far cry from Spider Baby, but not really. Um, no, it had the female protagonists or antagonists, yeah. or whatever you want to call it. Yeah. Menacing, menacing female protagonists. In both cases, both complicated by their vulnerability. Oh, good point. Yeah, oh, yeah. yeah, it's it's the uh, Spider Baby is a uh, marvelous picture on many fronts. Uh, a fine late in life performance from Lon Chaney Jr. Maybe his last really good performance. 
I think I think the the last inspired performance anyway. Uh, he always gave a, a, a few a few more than a hundred percent, but uh, in this, well, we'll get into the particulars of it here momentarily. But uh, also a picture, also a picture, a showcasing a late in life brief performance from Mantan Morland. Yep. The, your, the, the uh, subject of one of your biographies and a dandy is, I might add. And a, um, and, a, and a splendid job of work from good old Sid Haig. Yes, who is incredibly creepy in this. Well, you know, our producer engineer, Joey Hambrick, likes for us to talk about a little bit about what the pictures is like, uh, just so in case people who haven't seen it will have some sort of a touchstone. So basically, it's about uh, a family, a couple of daughters, uh, girls, young girls that have been, uh, I say young girls, they're actually, I guess probably they're supposed to be post-teens perhaps? Probably, yeah, that awkward stage. Yeah, and they're uh, victims of a thing called the Mary Syndrome, which is a regression uh, that hits this particular family, the Mary family, and they regress and uh, become uh what would you say, kind of polymorphous perverse? Would that be to use that old term from the 70s? Or not to put too fine a point on it, cannibals. <laughs> there you go. And so uh, the, they are, have been taken, ever since their father died, they've been taken care of by their chauffeur and caretaker, Lon Chaney Jr., uh, and who's played by Lon Chaney Jr. And uh, it's, they have a group of people, four people, who visit their decrepit old mansion in the woods to essentially throw everybody out and take over because uh, they're, they're, there's a lawyer and his uh, secretary and two cousins who are trying to take over the place and take over the inheritance. And that's basically the story, except that... Um, there's a lot of, as you say, cannibalism and weirdness, including uh, including a feline main dish, not to put too fine a point on it. Yeah. And uh, and some other material, as you say, and and like some of it is very, frankly, it's disturbing. And I got to tell you two things. Number one, while I'm thinking about it, I have to thank my friend Jimmy Carstein. Mm -hmm. Karstein, the drummer, uh, I think we've talked to him before in these in these uh, podcasts, because he's a big fan of, of, of low budget pictures and was uh, was Gary Lewis's drummer, Gary Lewis, the Playboy's drummer, and also J.J. Kale's drummer for many years. And uh, he is the one who actually sent me a disc of Spider Baby, and I got reacquainted with it through Jim. So we want to send this out to, uh, to Jim and kind of dedicate this to Jim and his wife, Jackie, Jim Karstein and his wife, Jackie, with thanks. And uh, the second thing is that this picture was lost, I believe, for or considered lost for a long time. Michael, you probably know something about that, don't you? There were questions of um, who owned what. Yes. And they had gone bankrupt. They gone bankrupt. The backers had gone bankrupt. Yeah. I think. Yeah, there was there was a there was a, uh, a dispute over ownership. The film never had a particularly wide release until it showed up in the restored version. 
that was long after the original attempted release, uh, a tremendously weird picture and, and therefore very difficult to uh, market, kind of like Herc Harvey's Carnival of Souls and uh, in a way kind of like uh, George Romero's original Night of the Living Dead. And may I add uh, uh, also, I think uh, Roger Corman's uh, Last One on Earth and Little Shop of Horrors. Yes, yes, definitely. Both have that thing with humor and horror where, you know, I, I think it's Al Feldstein, is that right, who said that uh, that a, a good horror story ought to be like a good joke yeah. and have that punch at the end where the humor and horror thing is very much, are very much related. You don't know whether to laugh or whether to gasp. Mm -hmm. And I think that's exactly what you've got with, uh, with uh, Spider-Baby. Definitely. And I, you know, and I did a thing uh, this weekend, this past weekend at, at Oklahoma City for a thing called RiderCon that William Bernhardt puts on. And one of the one of the things I talked about was the was was humor and horror. And my theory at that time and kind of what I spoke about was they can be two sides of the same coin. And I think this is a perfect example. Oh, yeah. 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 The, the the bizarre absurdity of it uh, combining with the uh, very clear and present danger. Yes, yes, yes. And the subtitle of the maddest story ever told. Yeah. Well, do you laugh at that or do you gasp at that? You yeah. know, when you really get down to yeah. it. Yeah, so, it yeah. reminds me of a story that I, a uh, comic book story I did once with Frank Stack, uh, our old underground cartoonist buddy sure uh, based based basically based on the same folk story that robert block adapted into a story called a case of the stubborns mm -hmm. you'll know that one i did and, uh, i sent the script to uh, frank basically it's about a uh, the original folk tales title uh, that i heard from my grandmother was quote the man who wouldn't stay dead <laughs> and uh, sent that to uh, Frank to start the illustrations on my, my, my layouts. And he writes back, this is pre email and says, is this supposed to be funny or scary? <laughs> and what, 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 what else could I answer? But yes. <laughs> and the same thing you could answer for spider baby. Yes. Definitely. Definitely. Funny and scary and creepy and unsettling. As and well. very sad. Yes. A yes. Very mournful or melancholy picture. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, there's a story that when uh, Lon Chaney talks about the kids at the very end, that it was it, the, the whole cast and crew were just cracking up, crying yeah. because it was so, you know, melancholy, as you say, and so sad. You know, it's very interesting because I think except we were talking about Lon Chaney, except for those maybe an A.C. Lyles Western or two that he did, you know, one of those Lyles Westerns where they took all, where Lyles, you know, brought all the old guys back together. Right. This would have to be his last really good performance, I think. And a very important last good Yes. Yes. And, you know. Go ahead. Go ahead. It's a great, it's a great, it's just a great cast. I mean, I've always loved Carol Omart. Oh, from House on Haunted Hill. Yeah, and yeah, absolutely. And uh, uh, she did, you know, she did a lot of 
77 Sunset Strip. She was great at being a bitch. She was really kind of this, you know, another sort of Marilyn Monroe, Mary, Mamie Van Doren, Jane Mansfield type, except that she always had this edge in House on Haunted Hill. She had that sort of that bitchy edge, which is the same that she has here. And at the same time, she's beautiful uh, in it. But she's got this really weird persona. And she was, I, I, somebody told me, I had a friend years ago that went to USC film school and said she was one of the stars that would always appear, probably for free, in uh, USC film school projects. Mm-hmm. So, you know, that's, that's kind of a sweet thing, too. But she always played great cold women, didn't she? No, yeah, yeah. That's, and it makes the, of course, I think hers, Carol Omar's and Cheney's performances are uh, enough in themselves to validate the film as a dramatic exercise. Mm-hmm. Uh, she's, she's, of course, uh, over the top. Cheney is unusually subdued. He is. And what, what, it, what, it's, what strikes me about it is that at the beginning of his star career, after he had ceased to be Creighton Cheney mm-hmm. and became Lon Jr., uh, he had done Steinbeck's Of Mice and Men, mm-hmm. playing the dangerous, innocent Lenny Small with Burgess Meredith as his uh, kind of reluctant protector, reluctant but but devoted. But devoted, yes. And in Spider-Baby, he, t- he completely reverses that. He takes over the Burgess Meredith protector role and leaves the Lenny presence to the three deranged and menacing children of the Mary family. And especially Sid Haig. Especially Sid Haig. It's, mm-hmm. um, talk about a bookend. I mean, uh, Cheney did a lot of uh, a lot of sympathetically menacing performances. Yes, but uh, he is in fact menacing in this context of Spider Baby, uh, not because he is overtly harmful to the outsiders, but because he protects the harmful. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And kind of seals them off from the rest of the world. Yeah, and then of course, uh, you might say the uh, the intruding distant relatives bring it on themselves. Yes, yes. To evict the rightful owners of the property, uh, but <laughs> not even remotely guessing what they've stumbled no. into. And the same thing you could say for Mantan Moreland, right? Oh yeah, he's he's totally innocent. Delivery man who uh, runs afoul of uh, probably the most overtly menacing would be three children. Right, right. Who is, uh, yeah, who is is played by, well, there's the two people, or Jill, uh, 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 Jill, what was her name? Jill Banner. Uh, Jill, Banner. Yeah, Jill Banner and Beverly Washburn. Now, Jill Banner died uh, very young, 35, on an accident on the Ventura Freeway. She was still acting at that time. Beverly Washburn uh, was also in a Star Trek, one of the original Star Trek episodes. And um, so because and she was an old yeller. She's got a pretty good part as a child actor and old yeller, mm-hmm. which I can't ever watch because I just just I love dogs too much. But yeah. uh, she 
uh, may still be making the convention circuit. I don't know. She was a few years ago. Uh, I've got an autographed uh, a still from Spider Baby that uh, that a, a friend of mine got for me at one of the conventions many years ago, or many years ago, probably in 2003, 2004, that Beverly Washburn signed. Mm -hmm. So she is more or less, uh, of the three of them, I guess Beverly Washburn is more or less the, the, uh, the and it's a kingdom of the blind, certainly, but she's more or less the, uh, the stable one of the bunch. <laughs> <laughs> speaking generally, you know, the interesting thing also about this or another interesting thing about it is the connection to Francis Ford Coppola ah. in this, uh, you know, Mary Mitchell, who plays the secretary, who's the closest we've got really to a female protagonist, I guess, uh, was in Dementia 13, Coppola's first, per, first horror feature with Quantum. Uh, with her then husband, Bart Patton, and they'd both known Coppola. Uh, you know, Jack Hill had worked with Coppola. Yeah. Uh, he had, in fact, been the second unit scripter for Dementia 13. Mm -hmm. And then, you got, then you've got Ronald Stein. Oh, yeah. All those soundtracks for American International and Roger Corman, and also Dementia 13 soundtrack. <laughs> So you've got that real connection there with Dementia 13. Well, the, the, the picture does indeed feel like uh, feel like an American international, but with all with with the breaks out, it, it, with the breaks out, and also with more of a. I I don't know. I was trying to figure out how to say this when I was preparing for for our podcast. Um, with more internal logic, maybe. Yeah, it's uh, it's dream logic, but it is logic, and it works. It works. It works on every level. I mean, the whole idea about eating the spiders and that that one of the characters does, and all of that. I mean, is all it's all of a piece. They don't ever break through. Now they break the fourth wall early mm -hmm. when uh, when they have uh, what's his name, uh, uh, Quinn Redeker, who's the the male lead. You know, you, did you know that he? co-wrote the deer hunter i didn't know that yeah yeah he was right. one of the writers on the deer hunter and got an academy award nomination for it <laughs> I just that's the kind of stuff that just makes me so happy when i find stuff out like that when i'm oh, yeah. and of course those those um b movie slash exploitation film talents of that period often had uh leads from their early work that led them to the majors. Yes, that's exactly right. Exactly right. Yeah. Chris Foreman was the ringleader there, the, the great encouraging presence who uh, basically ran a free film school for people willing to work for chump change. Yeah, for, yeah, that's right. Exactly right. Exactly right. And, and we have people in this film, several people in this film who fit that bill. Exactly. And, you know, it's, uh, it's just it's beyond the, the the lawyer schlocker at one point says this is beyond the bounds of prudence and good taste and i thought you know that's a pretty good ad line for this movie <laughs> you know it is not in good taste it it it's 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 sort of stomach churning in some ways no it's it's a it's a disturbing picture 
Yeah, it absolutely is. And did you catch when they're at the dinner table and uh, and they're talking about you know, the, the, the two male, male and female lead end up talking about horror movies. She talks about how she loves them. I'm talking about Mary Mitchell now, but mm-hmm. I'm talking about how she loves them. And, and she says there's going, and then Lon Chaney says, there's going to be a full moon tonight. Oh yeah. Yeah. Straight out of the wolf, man. Straight out of the film. That One made. wonders if he didn't ad lib that. You do wonder, don't you? Or no, you, you want to think he either did or Jack Hill thought enough of his um, his career to put that in there. Oh yeah, yeah. It's 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 a it's a a, a lovely picture for all its unnerving qualities. Yes, yes. Uh, it's it's, it's uh, and of course Cheney gets to recite the main title theme. Yeah. And it's it's no uh, John Carradine and Night Train to Mundo Finay, but uh, you know it's it's kind of almost of a piece like that. It's very overwrought, isn't it? Oh yeah, well Cheney Cheney can slice the ham as good as well as anybody. And and when he did, it always came out. Hey, can I hear that again? (laughs) I mean it. It's, uh, we talk about his late last work. Uh, I, I, I tend to count his uh, vengeful Cajun swamp character in Alligator People, Alligator people? Mm-hmm. as among those better performances. And it's just totally over the top. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, it's, but it's total immersion. Yeah, yeah. Well, you know, one of the things that you find... Uh, when you research this picture is that everybody says, well, you know, Jack, Jack Hill, who wrote it and, um, and directed it, that it's Jack Hill's first directorial credit, but it's really not. I don't think, I think Jack Hill, as I remember it, Michael, you can probably help me on this. As I remember it a lot, Jack Hill wrote the terror, such as it was the script for the terror. Oh yeah. Was That's the famous, uh, film where, uh, they, I can't remember which which picture they had Boris Karloff for. Or Corman had Boris Karloff for, of course, yeah. And uh, had three when the, the Corman got finished early and had two or three days left over with Karloff, and decided to make a whole nother picture very quickly. And Jack Hill wrote it, and it was the Terror with Jack Nicholson and, and Boris Karloff. But I cannot uh, remember what that picture was that Corman had had. Karloff for at any rate uh I think Jack a lot of people took turns directing days of that picture mm-hmm. and I believe Jack Hill was one of the people who directed who co-directed uh the terror of course without any credit sure uh do you know who was Copley in that too as well or or do you remember he was on he was on property <laughs> yeah yeah <He> was on <laughs> the there really is no official credit to this day. Jack Nicholson insists that it was improvised. The terror. Really? Yeah. I don't know. I, I, part of it certainly was, and I know that they shot a lot of scenes of Karloff walking in and out of doors and stuff, you know, doorways, uh, and then figuring out how to, you know, build a, a thing around it. But, as I remember it, Jack Hill gets the credit for the script on that. Yes, that is correct. Yeah, yeah. And I think he also directed a day or two of it. I think Hopper 
had a shot at directing it. I think, sure. you know, I think several, you know, it was that it must've been such a wonderful, of course, they were, none of them were making any money, but such a wonderfully creative time working for, for Corman at that point in, in Oh yeah, it, 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 Those pictures of that period, I think, uh, would remind uh, counterculture enthusiasts of the uh, Zap Comics jams of that same. Mm -hmm. Good analogy. It's a very good analogy. Yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm with you on that. Well, this film was also called The Liver Eaters. That's apropos of nothing. Uh, but it was uh, called Spider Baby or The Maddest Story Ever Told. Mm -hmm. Uh, it was also going to be called at one point Cannibal Orgy, if I'm not mistaken, uh, which gives you an idea of what this picture is like. And it's, it's, it seems to be getting more and more fans as it goes along. And it's, it's a very dark in some ways. It's, it's, it reminds me of that, that thing that we had in the 60s, the mid to late 60s, when sick jokes became so prominent. Definitely. It's a sick joke in a lot of ways. It is, and it does have, <clears throat> it does have a punchline. You bet it does. You bet it does. It absolutely has a punchline. Don't so, give away too much. We uh, no. we don't do spoilers here. No, we don't. But you know, uh, we will say that Jack Hill wrote a wrote a treatment for a sequel, in which the two uh, the two protagonists, such as they are, just basically by default. Uh, go on their honeymoon, and uh, of course, it was never it was never shot. But it's uh, I really think it's a, it's a great picture, but it's so weird that a lot of people will just not enjoy it very much. Well, it takes a, it takes a special uh, taste, and yet uh, it also <clears throat> it it also has an appeal for people who uh, love Toby Hooper's early pictures. That's true, which are. Uh, unrelenting in their disturbing qualities. I'm yeah. not merely talking about the Texas Chainsaw Massacre. In fact, I might might even be talking more about uh, Eaten Alive. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Was that Starlight Slaughter? What was the other name of that Starlight one? Slaughter was the, was the alternate title. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, and also, I might add, maybe some of Romero's early stuff as well. Definitely. Definitely. So yeah. So There's if a lot, you, of, a lot of dream logic in common there, and uh, to think that uh, Spider Baby preceded uh, Night of the Living Dead by approximately a year. Yeah. And uh, well, I actually took it what two or three years before it came out, didn't it? Oh yeah, yeah. It, it actually, it was it was uh, canned and then shelved. Right. And what are we going to do? What are we going to do? Right. Well, uh, let's just sit on it. <laughs> let's, just, uh, let's just keep this thing where nobody can see it. And uh, you know, right. if it hadn't been for Jack Hill's dedication, he, he went on to uh, certainly not bigger things. He uh, he had a had a hand in the in the Hollywood shoot portions of Boris Karloff's final four Mexican pictures. Mm-hmm. And, uh, yeah, he shot those on just one sound stage, right? Yeah, one sound stage with with uh, <laughs> with a uh, compromised 
ensemble cast. Karloff's physician had forbidden him to travel to Mexico because of the altitudes and his emphysema. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And uh, of course he had the advantage of Karloff, but uh, they were piecemeal productions. Yeah, yeah. Although there's one of them, I can't remember which one it is, it was really good. I remember being really good. I mean, for what it was. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I'm, 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 I'm particularly fond of Isle of the Snake. That's the one I'm thinking of. Yeah. Yeah. It's, uh, it's one of those, one of those hoodoo pictures that actually adds something to the lore. Right. Right. Well, Spider Baby is a dandy in a lot of ways. It's not for the faint of heart. Yeah. Uh, and it's not for the, the squeamish, but it's a, uh, it's a pretty good little picture. I mean, it goes back to what, 19, what was the uh, 1967, I guess was when it was a uh, release shot in 64. Yeah. And it's pretty avant-garde for that period. I would say. <laughs> in a lot of ways, Michael, what have you got that we would like for the folks to consider, um, consider, uh, looking at and, and perhaps purchasing for the oh, well, I'm I'm always drawn to go back to our collaborative book, Fantasies in the Sand, which is mm -hmm. technically a forgotten horrors spinoff, but it, it is itself with the with the beach party mm -hmm. film series of the mm -hmm. 1960s. Uh, that's been in print for some time, and it and it still shows legs. It does. Uh, it's got a. Uh, uh, well, companion volumes galore, I guess. Yes, we do. Yeah. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm still moving very gradually on, on the uh, additional companion volumes, but uh, sometimes you got to move gradually because you're juggling. Well, I have to tell you that whether I'm involved in them or, in them or not, and I'm not involved in all of them, uh, by any means, the for any forgotten horrors book that someone wants to pick up will definitely be. If you enjoy these podcasts, any forgotten horrors book you pick up will be worth your time. <laughs> Absolutely, it will. And uh, I wanted to tell you also that we now have all three of my horror trilogy novels in print. Oh, that's yeah. And uh, thanks to you, Michael, again for your for your very nice flap copy you did for him but the cleansing books uh which uh, are a seventh sense and sinister serpent and uh in between uh satan's swine uh and they're very much uh products of our love my co-writer robert a brown and i our love for pulps and especially weird tales and all of that and we really think that uh, that that it captures. I mean, it's an epistolary. They're epistolary books, so they're all told in letters. But we really think that they capture that era, and we would be delighted to have you check them out if you would like to do that. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I've been rereading the first one. God bless you for yeah. it. Not, not not something you want to just sit down and forget about. It's, it's right. A book that stays with you and. The entire series, you know, the, the coherence of it. It's, it's like, right, thank you. Yeah, well, this 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 was done in, of course, installments, but so are letters, right? To be right. Made. Does anybody still write letters anymore? <laughs> well, we don't know, but those letters were certainly written. And oh yeah, yeah. Well, it, it it reminds me very much of of a old favorite Robert Block story, a notebook found in a deserted house. 
Tell me a little bit more about that. It's a uh, it's a real time chronicle of horrific happenings. Mm. Uh, probably an inspiration for a uh, uh, kind of a flash in the pan picture of 1999 called the Blair Witch Project. I love the Blair Witch Project. Yeah, I love that the, the picture that that should have led to bigger things and. Uh, led to smaller things, unfortunately. That's right, it did. I was, I was very fond of that, uh, very fond of that uh, uh, ability to do what, you know, who, who coined the term epistolary, chorus, epistolary narrative? Right. I first, I first read it uh, in August Derlin. Right, right. Well, you know, I, uh, I, I wrote about the Blair Witch Project when I was with the Tulsa World. Sure. And I interviewed one of the directors, two directors on that project, and I interviewed one of them. And uh, I figured that maybe they were they were influenced by Val Luton, ah, because of what you know they didn't show a lot of things. They let your imagination fill in what was going on outside of the uh, the VHS or the the camera that they were using. And he said, no. He said, actually. It was the uh, the Bigfoot pictures. Ah, Legend of Boggy Creek. Boggy Creek flashed yeah. to mind there. Yep, all of those because they were semi sort of quasi documentaries. Mm -hmm. And the other thing that you spoke to, Robert Block, I heard him speak maybe in the late nineteen sixties at a Houston comic book convention. Yeah, and he spoke on Sturgeon's Law. Uh-huh. Now, Sturgeon's Law, Joey, do you know Sturgeon's Law? Have you, you, you kids today, do you know anything about Sturgeon's Law? Uh, no, I do not. Okay, good. Thank you very much. It's okay. like a Ed McMahon thing. Uh, <laughs> Sturgeon's Law is, is a law that was put forward by Theodore Sturgeon, the science fiction writer. 90% of everything is crap. That's Sturgeon's Law. Robert Block spoke on Sturgeon's Law when I heard him at this banquet. And he said, if you take Sturgeon's Law and apply it to everything, that means nine of the Ten Commandments are crap. <laughs> and 90% of Sturgeon's Law is crap. <laughs> so there you have it. About right. <laughs> All right, gentlemen, thank you. And folks, check out uh, check out uh, Spider Baby, and please check out the Forgotten Horrors, the uh, lovely Forgotten Horrors line of books and uh, other material, including CDs, uh, online at Amazon.com. And uh, we'd appreciate your support. Thank you so much, and we'll be back with you soon, Michael and Joey. Thanks, you guys. Always a pleasure. Bet you it is. Thank you.